welcome to the At Peace Parents podcast. I'm Casey, and I'm here to empower you in your decision-making as a parent of a demand-avoidant child. My goal is to share insights that will generate aha moments and support your connection with your child. I'm a mom of two amazing little boys, one of whom is PDA, and I've worked with hundreds of parents just like you to teach them how to lead their child out of burnout and find the clarity, peace, and sense of community they need. As a mother or a father, have you ever had the experience of not being able to soothe your toddler, child, or teen, no matter what you did? So no matter how much presence, soothing, hugs, consoling, caressing, whatever type of soothing you were bringing to your child, it was not effective. And in fact, it seemed like it was actually making things worse. Everybody. So this is the topic of today's live, which is the experience of a parent, which is very common among parents of PDA children and teens, where they don't know the deep root cause behind or beneath their child's really extreme distress and often pain, which is manifesting as fight, flight, freeze, and they're unable and don't know how to soothe them. And it's a harrowing experience for a parent. I have experienced it many, many times as well. So today I want to talk to you a little bit about my personal story with this and describe sort of three phases of my son and my life together when he was three and a half, long before we had ever even spoken the words neurodiversity or knew anything about PDA, when he was five and a half, when we had already moved to Michigan and he was in nervous system burnout, but I was still working primarily through the sensory processing disorder lens. And then today, he's eight and a half, and we can talk about this morning. So I'm gonna give you three sort of anecdotes for how those stages were. Okay, so when my son was three and a half, one of the things that confused me and distressed me so much as a parent was Every day I would finish my work in downtown DC and I would get on the train to come home to the suburbs. It's about a 45 minute train ride. And I would be dreading and actually terrified of stepping into my house because I knew that as soon as I did, my son Cooper was three and a half at the time would start screaming and thrashing and completely melting down, having a panic attack, etc. And that's distressing for any parent, but I think the key thing that was so distressing for me, and I know many of you will identify with this, is that I could not soothe him. I could not make things better. I could not help him. And I could see that he was in pain. And so exactly five years ago, because I remember it was April, it was like this month in April, and I would have to carry him up the stairs, thrashing, hitting, biting, and put him into his crib, which we still had next to his toddler bed. And I would turn the lights off so there wouldn't be as much sensory input, which which was just like an intuitive thing for myself and for him. And he would scream and thrash in the crib. And so often at first, every day I would try and, you know, soothe and encourage him. And eventually, I realized like he was just escalating no matter what I did. So I would lay on the ground next to him and just like 
bear witness to an hour plus of screaming and thrashing and just, you know, tears would be streaming down my face. I would have no idea what was going on, what was provoking this behavior. At the time, we only had one child and he seemed completely fine at daycare or with his grandparents. And so it really just felt like it was only around me that I was doing something wrong. And, you know, this period of just like laying on the ground next to him, allowing him to scream and not knowing what to do, not being able to soothe was like deeply (laughs) traumatizing as a parent because I had no information. And like, this is why I'm sharing this story is that if there's like one other mom out there or dad or caregiver who listens to this live and is like, I'm laying on the ground right now for hours, not being able to soothe my child. And I hope this is a useful sharing of my story. So obviously at the time, what was actually occurring was he was moving towards his threshold of tolerance for cumulative nervous system activation. He was moving towards burnout, but I had no conceptualization of that. About a month in, I did have like a ping of intuition, which was like, I just started at the tail end of an hour long screaming, saying like, mommy loves you, granny loves you, daddy loves you, Nana loves you. And it did seem to have a calming effect at that time. But that was like exactly five years ago. I hope also this gives you guys some sense of timelines as well, because that's something that parents I work with often ask is like, well, how long does it take to get a child out of burnout? How long does it take to get your family stable? And that's why I'm sharing this. So, you know, the short answer for us, because I'm talking about when he was three and a half and that he's now eight and a half, it's about five years it took me to get to the place that we're at. And when I did learn about burnout and PDA, it took us probably a year to get him out of burnout with me as a full-time caregiver and completely focused on that end um, in a very singular way, which is my way to be singularly focused. The second period was when he was five and a half and I was a full-time caregiver. I had left my job in Washington, D.C. We had moved to Michigan to be close to family and to have a lower cost of living and frankly to have spaces where if my son went into his flight which was his go-to in addition to fight like he could run into the street and it would be less probable that he would get hit by a car and as terrible as that sounds i actually made these calculations because we lived in an area with a lot of population and a lot of traffic and i could not manage um, what was happening While he was in burnout, his nervous system was so taxed that any small stimuli would tip him immediately over into fight, flight, freeze, and his basic needs were impacted to the point that we had sought medical support, and this was with eating. And this is also part of how I define burnout for families is, you know, is it constantly, no matter what the stimulus is immediately full on fight, flight, freeze, and is one or more basic needs disabled to the point that you're seeking medical and therapeutic support, whether it's toileting, um, sleeping, eating, hygiene. And, you know, I am going to have these measures 
categorized in scientific ways in that way. But obviously, like when we're talking as parents, like what matters is your intuition. If you think your child is in burnout or burnout, um, I'm not here to be like gatekeeping on what burnout is in that sense. But my son's nervous system really could only be regulated by me. Even screens did not fully regulate him. If we, if I was driving and he was in the car, if I turned the car too quickly or, you know, opened the door too fast or didn't get into the house fast enough, it would be immediately full on panic attack. And he would start screaming. I couldn't listen to the radio. I couldn't talk on the phone. I couldn't speak in the car because he would start screaming at the time. I like probably looking back, shouldn't have been even trying to take him in a car. But like, again, earlier on in my journey and just learning about what PDA actually was, he when I would be trying to put the baby down, this is during the pandemic, my little one, I would try and shut the door so that my baby could actually sleep in his crib. And my older son would physically try and um, break the door down and he or he would lay on his back and kick the door as hard as he could. And I would have to seek support from my husband who's working from home on the front porch. And he would have to restrain my older son so that I could actually shut the door and put the baby down. And it was very confusing for me because all I was receiving was negative feedback. So I was like, why is he physically fighting to get near to me? But both of these things have to do with the root cause of PDA which is nervous system and threat perception, right? So like he was constantly equalizing against me, giving me negative feedback, screaming in my face, growling at me, hissing, kicking. But when I, because he was perceiving threat, cumulative threat and burnout, any stimuli, any small loss of autonomy or equality, and they're going to go right into full on fight or flight. My son looked like a feral animal. Also sharing this with you so that you know, like three years out, my son is no longer in this stage. It has taken us changing everything in our lives. But like, if this is you, I want you to feel hopeful and seen. He could not be separated from me, though. And this was super confusing. I'm like, why is he fighting to get to me proximity to my body when he actually what I thought was hates me because all I'm getting is negative feedback. If I try and interact with him, he screams at me if I ask questions, right? But it's both related to the threat. The perception of threat, he's letting it out with the safe person, which was me, and needed constant undivided support for his nervous system in order to feel safe. And I was a safe nervous system. So you have this paradox that you often see, especially in burnout, okay? Also, one of the things I would do was I would bounce his body on the trampoline for hours so he would get the proprioceptive input he needed, but because he was so burnt out, he wouldn't move his own legs, right? And I would try and manage this with the one and a half year old who luckily at the time was a little bit less intensive personality, um, intense personality in his own quirks showing. And I would be bouncing my one son and sort of like protecting the other. But at five, my husband would get off work and he would take over. So I could like go in my trauma cave and like under my weighted blanket with my rice bags and my noise machines to like recover and like watch 
crappy television and like share movies from the 80s. I was super burned out and disassociating myself. So when my husband would come onto the trampoline, I could actually see the energy shift where my son would start to become manic. And sometimes he would jump off the trampoline and just run and like many, many, many situations where we are like running through our small neighborhood in Michigan after a child who is just blindly running away from us. Right. And this is flight. This is complete flight. So at this time, my body and my energy and my nervous system was the only accommodation for my son. Sometimes I would try and leave him on a screen and my husband would be working on the front porch like five feet from him and I would be trying to take the baby on a walk and he would run out the front door screaming because he couldn't separate from me. Also sharing this with all of you so that you understand that like I get it, like I've been there, I've been through it. I don't want you to stay in the self-loathing, self-hatred and resentment of your life for as long as I did. So I'm sharing this. But that brings us to today, which is what I would consider an equilibrium or stability in our family. It looks completely different than anything I would have ever imagined or chosen. And my son is doing much better. However, he still has moments when I can't soothe him, just like he did when he was 3.5 years old, three and a half years old, when he, when I laid on the ground, put him in a crib and he screamed and thrashed and I didn't know what to do. The difference is I, A, understand the deep why now and B, understand it's not my fault and C, understand that sometimes the best I can do as long as people and sentient beings are safe is to bear witness to what he's going through as if it were a seizure or a panic attack, which it is, and give unconditional love, right? And that has not gone away. And this morning is a good example of that. Like he had a very big panic attack and I couldn't stop it. I couldn't fix it. We used the service dog to do deep pressure, but his teeth were chattering. He was screaming, he was kicking. And it's devastating, it's heartbreaking, and I wish that my son did not experience this type of pain, especially when it prevents him from doing the things that he truly wants to do. We've come so far, and what I hope for all of you is that you come so far as well, and I know you are because I see your comments on my page, and I'm so impressed and honored to be part of your journey. But the PDA is still there, He's just not as close to his threshold of tolerance and he's not in burnout. And I'm, as I mentioned, sometimes we have to second bring the same energy that I did when I didn't know how to soothe him because sometimes I can't soothe him. Like sometimes there isn't a solution. It's just bearing witness to another human's pain, not judging them for it and, and helping them recover and repair and understand what's happening to their body. And then again, like I'm sharing this because if anyone out there hears yourself or your child in this story, I hope that I can provide some clarity about why so that you're not shooting yourself with the second proverbial arrow in Buddhism, which is like you have the pain of an external circumstance, right? 
where, you know, maybe I mess up, right? But then the second arrow is beating myself up for it. And, and here it's like, I no longer have that second arrow of like, I can't soothe my son. It's like the first arrow is, this is a hard part of the human experience, but I'm not going to shoot myself with the second arrow that it's my fault or there's something else I should be doing or knowing or be able to fix. So I just want to share that with you guys to sort of come down a level from like some of the academic stuff I talk about and, you know, let you know that I'm in the trenches here too with you guys. I hope you have a good rest of your day. I wanted to be here in community with you and I appreciate all of you being here and participating in the lives. Thanks everyone for being here with me at the At Peace Parents podcast. This is your source for all things related to understanding, supporting, accommodating, and advocating for your PDA child. To go deeper on any of these topics, check out my course offerings and masterclasses at the website www.atpeaceparents.com. To completely transform the way you think about and relate to your child and to bring peace and stability to your home, join us for the next cohort of the Paradigm Shift program.